This is Jules, your host of the All Things Eisen podcast. This week's episode is incredible. The story, the individual that I'm going to be showcasing that I had the privilege of interviewing, and that is Najmo, and she is from Somalia. I do have to give a warning, though, that many of the things that she experienced as an individual who had to escape her country in order to come to Iceland in order to not be a child bride and just other potential abuses is intense. And it might be triggering for some people who have either experienced any kind of sexual assault or have experienced female genitalia mutilation. Like she's experienced a lot basically. And while we don't dig deep into talking about all of the details regarding those experiences, they still come up as topics. And there's a very big possibility that hearing her story will be very difficult for many people. I know that it was hard for me when I first read about it in a newspaper here in Iceland. In fact, I kept that newspaper that she was on the cover on, and I still have it, before ever even knowing that I would interview her. So I saw her, I think it was on Stunten, the newspaper, and I just immediately, when I read that she was a child bride, I was just heartbroken. And little did I know that she's also such an advocate for women and girls' rights in Somalia. And honestly, she could have come here and decided she was just going to leave what happened to her in the past and go on to not really address those things or utilize her platform because it can be quite dangerous to talk about many of the things that are going on inequality-wise in Somalia because it's so embedded in the culture. And a lot of people feel that change is a threat in many different places. You know, Somalia is not the only place that has this kind of reaction that is violent or negative when people are making criticisms of what's happening there. But for her, she decided that, no, this is wrong. There's, There needs to be more equality for women and girls, and she's fighting for that. And so I will have links to her platforms for people that want to donate, for individuals that just want to understand a little bit more. A lot of what she talks about is in Somali or maybe even Arabic because she's talking to that audience, which is that's FYI, if you don't speak those languages, it might not be easy for you to understand. But the, the fact is that she is doing amazing work and her story to get to this point is intense. It's amazing. It's inspiring. It's jaw-dropping. <laughs> we don't actually talk about everything because I wanted to not make her have to relive you know, some of these traumatic events. But I do have in the show notes, uh, the description of her, just some of the things that she experienced, including losing a close friend of hers while she was trying to escape and just so much. And, you know, having to go to the hospital after her legs got wounded in a war. And it's just, like I mentioned, very heartbreaking. And yet she just pushed through. And when she came to Iceland, she didn't know English or any, it's just, it's incredible. I'm, I'm not going to give away too much because it's better for her to tell the story. I just am still wowed so much by this. I did this interview also a while back. So just as an FYI, I don't know if we referenced Christmas or anything else in there, but it was around that time. And 
I'm just so honored to have her on the podcast to be able to tell her story. There's also a video version of this if you would like to see what she looks like or just see her expressions as she's talking. And that will be, of course, embedded in the show notes on allthingslicen.com for this episode. It's intense, like I said, but such a great inspiration. And I'm hoping that this helps people to just learn a little bit more about her culture and also to understand that change in cultures takes a long time. And there's brave people like her who are doing this work, who are standing up to oppression. And it's so important that we hear these voices, we acknowledge them, and we support them. So as always, I deeply appreciate the people that listen, those who leave comments, those, you know, contact me on social media, let me know how they feel about these episodes. Because for me, it's just a privilege to be able to share this story. And I'm so happy to do it. And of course, I will have links to her social media accounts so you can reach out to her and let her know how you feel about the work that she's doing. Najmo, thank you so much for joining me today. It is such an honor and a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here with you as well. Thank you. My pleasure. And I mean, I, I already showed you this. <laughs> I have this paper of you <laughs> that I've had for almost <laughs> that I've had for almost a year. And I just um I, it was so funny when I, you know, ended up remembering that I had this and we ended up being able to schedule this because when I read even just the title, I was like, oh, I was just taken aback, you know, because just in terms of life, I think many people, especially there's many people on here who are maybe from the U.S. or North America, and they're maybe not as familiar with what might go on in other cultures. It can be difficult to think about being, you know, wedded to someone as a child or female genitalia mutilation, like these types of really traumatic, intense things. And, you know, you've experienced a lot of this. And so it would be, you know, if whatever it is you want to talk about regarding these experiences, if you could, you know, take us back, because now you're uh, Icelandic and you are growing up in this place and, and you're Somali as well. Like you have these, you know, cultures that are combining, right, to make you who you are today. But it would be, you know, helpful to maybe understand when you were in Somalia growing up, what was that experience like for you as a child? Actually, it was, uh, you know, in back uh, in my life, if I look, if I, you know, look back, I, I divide my life into two parts because first I have a very happy childhood, you know, because um, even though Somalia was a war since 1991, but I had always a, a parents who would take care for us and my father, especially, who was like a man who always worked for his community and was very much engaged a lot of things back home. So when he was alive, you know, my life was completely different compared to, mm. you know, yeah. I would say like from year one to year 11, I was just living normal life as every child. I, would, I used to go to school. I was just coming home with my parents and just happy playing out. But that completely changed after my dad died. You know, he was killed. Wow. In Somalia, 2009. After that, wow. Somalia, you know, the culture and everything. When the parents die, when the father die, and the you know the kids are still little, that my uncle has to take over responsibility over us. And there's where starts my hardest part of life. You know, yeah. marriage. Uh, 
at the age of just 11. And, um, you know, so it was just, um, I would say, if I divide two parts, before my dad was alive, was completely fine. But after that is where I really have to to start fighting for my rights and to again yeah. a lot of things that people just normalized because it's part of the culture and they don't see that they are causing you harm or pain. Right. Uh, so it took me a lot, but I, I find a lot of them. Okay. And as a kid, meaning like when you found out that you were supposed to be marrying, I think it was your cousin who was like 32 years old or something of that nature, right? Like it was just, he, yeah, he was my cousin. He was 32 years old and I was just 11 at the time. And if you look back home, you know, that's just, uh, it's not something like shocking for people. Yeah. I remember my other cousins, they, they were telling me their stories that how, how, how they were being forced to marriage, you know, and they yeah. just, um, this is just normal. I would get used to it. I just need to, wow. to, to you know, to just to, in the first, they were refused also, but finally they accepted. So they were like, you will get used to it. And mm. I just, I just never seen getting, being used to it, you know, and everything, all that happens, it's not something that started from me and it's not something that definitely ended by me. It's still right. happening. It's, it happened to my sister in 2017 as well. Wow. Um, we, we have to, at, at some point, we have to, to say no and to, and to against with it. It's just a culture that people learned over decades. And if we against, uh, you know, it's not going to end anytime soon, but we can uh, fight for it till it ends. Yeah. And the practice of female genital, genitalia mutilation, like this is something that of course, like when you were younger, this was going on, right? And this is happening to young girls, basically coming of age, right? It's if you're going to, you know, go through puberty, in essence, many of the women or young girls go through this in Somalia. And was that something that like people ever talked about with you? Or was it just like, this is a decision that's been made for you and that's it. Like, it's not a, I'm explaining to you what's gonna happen type of situation. I was practicing at FGM as well, but it, it was like very, early age so I can't remember except okay. the went through but I remember it like a female children's music came to my attention when I was having my first period when you know I was having the first sex all that's when you start your struggling with yeah. and when it came to that point I was like oh why was it you know what it why it happened to me this and it's like, and then when you explore, you, I just, it's like Somalia is the highest country in the world. Actually, 98% of Somali girls are being practiced with FGM. Wow. So, yeah, it's actually, um, it's something that people normalize as well. And this is part of the culture, which is really bad. But now a lot of um, Somali activism, we're fighting for it. And there's a lot of awareness, uh, awareness that uh, people are doing. So it's kind of reducing, but not as much or as fast as we would like to but it's yeah. actually it was practiced mostly like type three and i think the the one that is really very bad is type three if i can remember correctly okay people are moving to type two and type three and recently we just people are now just getting being aware with like this has nothing to do with religion for so long people mm. are part of the religion and we should uh, they should do it and the other reason that people do is just to control women's sexuality you know once the being cut the cliff and everything you control the woman's sexuality and you right. know, your, your daughter you know to to feel like she needs a man or something so it's just a uh, there is this code people use most of the time, which is like, if you don't cut your daughter and you don't practice with um, the FGM, she might become a whore. 
you know, which is yeah. has nothing to do, you know. So it's no. just being all in women's sexuality, actually. Yeah, which is so sad to know that, like, this is something that people have fed into, right? Meaning, like, and then, of course, continued it on as if it, it's a tradition that is worth keeping, which is not, <laughs> and it's just very hurtful. So, okay, but um, there's a series of events in your life that happened, right? So, meaning, like, from when your father died, my condolences to you and your family for having to go through that. It's very hard to lose a parent. But there's a series of, of things that happened. So you were, you know, at age 11, to, to be marrying your cousin. But things start to change at some point, right? Like, you start to fully, you fully to go, like, can you kind of walk me through this story of, like, what happened and how you eventually got to Iceland? Actually, now, even when I look back in my life, I just think, like, mm, maybe I didn't I didn't go through all that. It's just, <laughs> I'm not even in Iceland. It's like a movie, to be yeah. fair, like how intense it is. Yeah, it's just, like, things that you, you kind of think, like, no, you, you, can't, you can't go through this. And just yeah. to be pushed and pushed yourself. And that's the power, actually, when you don't want something and you know from your heart that you don't want, if you just... Uh, Tell that if if you just do whatever you can, you know, it will, you know, you will reach at some point somewhere if you just yeah. don't accept the situation, right? So for me, I didn't have any money to run out. I didn't have like so much support from the family side, but yet I just followed what my heart was telling me, which is like, I don't want to, to be a wife with a man who's older than me that much. And just, uh, you know, to be a wife at the age of 11 is really not easy at that age you, you just want to live like normal childhood you know go to school and uh, play with the kids and it's just that's kind of things you want to do and then suddenly you are a wife and you have to behave like a, a, you know like a, a woman and take care of family and then later might have children that's not what I that's not something that I wanted for my life so I just keep pushed myself I, I was like I I didn't know where I was going but I knew that I was just escaping the situation that I did not want right. so I just pushed myself and then here I am it was a long journey it wasn't easy but it finally got me to where I can be the woman that I want to be that no one has to make choices for me you know right so I've been to Sudan, I've been to Libya, I've been to Sahara, all the Mediterranean Sea, where I finally ended up in Iceland. So it wasn't an easy journey, but it just got to me where I am today. Yeah. And you were basically like, there were some people helping you, like you had like a cousin that helped, like meaning, there, like if you're, the majority of your family was kind of campaigning for this marriage. Right? <laughs> and then there was like, then you have some other, like, maybe, like, maybe not as many, but some other families who were like, no, I think we're going to help her out and <laughs> get her out of this situation. My aunties actually helped me. I met this, oh, uh, uh, my aunties helped me, my older brother as well. You know, like, they see, like, the pain I was going through and all the time I was just crying, even though I used to cry a lot when I was, uh, I, I don't know, cries gives me, like, strong, uh, keep mushing myself. You know, when yeah. I cry, I feel better anyway. Yeah. So, I, I used to cry always and I always used to bring back about my dad. I always used to, you know, if my dad were alive, they would not have been. And this is what my aunties always like hurted them so much. They were like, yeah. she's reminding us her father every single day. We have to, we have to, we have to help this yeah. And I met actually uh, one uh, girl who is uh, not my auntie, but um, uh, my 
and cousin, his daughter, who's like older cousin I have. I have 500 cousins anywhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, who, like, when my auntie was collecting me the money, she also sold her uh, gold earrings for me and wow. then sold it and then put the money they were collecting for me. She just told me, actually, when so I met in London. And she was like, no, look at you. I remember when you were in the hospital, what we did oh. for you, your aunts were collecting your money for you. And I sold my earrings outside. I'm so thankful for that. Yeah. So it's just that uh, when you and me right now talking that, it might be shocking. But when you yeah. are in the country, you see things that are more worse than that. You know, yeah. you cannot see 12 years old carrying a baby and 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 living with 70 years old. It was recently actually a man who's member of the uh, of the Somali uh, parliament who was just married 13 years old. And there was like uh, this law they were trying to pass uh, this year, which was like a law in child marriage in Somalia. They were oh, just... Oh my gosh. So the bill was just to... to you know, like legalized child marriage in Somalia. And it, um, it's just like those who are member of the parliament are doing yeah, that. What yeah. the rest of, of the society? Because they are the lawmaker of the country and they're, they're allowing that. So it's just the normalized. There's a lot of things we need to, to do back home. But yeah, yeah it's not going to happen overnight. No, no. Culture shift takes a very long time. And yeah. with people like you, which we'll get into really raising awareness about it is helping, I think, especially the generations coming up who mm. feel like following their instincts and following their feelings, you know, because I'm sure there were women before you who felt that way, but maybe they felt powerless on being able to do something, but you found a way, you found like, you know, with help, of course, support, but still just the fact that you had it inside of you speaks a lot to the fact that you were just like, I'm not going to give up on this. I can't. <laughs> so, Okay. But it, it, you ended up, like, at one point in a refugee camp in Malta. Like, there's, like, different scenarios in your life. But at some point, you get to Iceland. And what happens when you get off that plane? Because like, the, the instructions were, like, get off the plane in Iceland because there's a stop over there, right? And, the, and just go out. Of the... <laughs> it's just like, so what happens to you? Exactly. It's like I actually didn't know where I was. It was because I wasn't going to Iceland. I didn't even knew Iceland. I couldn't speak um, uh, any language except Somali. You know, it was really hard to even know the signs of the airbirds, to be honest. So it was like I was going to Canada, you know, I was transferred there and, you know, having like uh, land in this country with no documents and uh, you know, like getting to airplane with a fake passport, of course, they have to stop you. But when they told me that I'm going to stay here and they called me social care, it was my first time seeing, to, you know, snow because in Malta, they don't have, um, you know, like snow and all that stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, where I am, you know, and it was just um, no translation at all. But I was like, I'm at least with human, not like <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna see like where it goes and what happens, but it wasn't easy as well uh, coming to a country when where you, you know you just can't speak any language, you can't communicate. Two years, I don't think I made any friends. Um, 
I had to learn anything. I, again, you know, everything from language, culture. I never ever left anyone, like any community outside of Somali community. My whole life I was with Somali community. And now just living with other people, completely different culture, different uh, language. It was just like someone who was just born right now. And mm-hmm. I was and everything again. Yeah, that's oh. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a challenge, but again, here we are. Yeah, and you persevered again. I mean, you're you, know, you took a risk, and when you were, I guess you know, like the authorities in Iceland realized you're a child, you know, and you're here, you don't speak the language. What was it that like you know you wanted when they were asking you like, hey, you know. If you're going to stay in Iceland, what can we do for you? How can we help you? What was it that you really wanted to get out of this experience if you were going to stay in this country? I remember actually first when Utlanding, the Iceland immigra- immigration or immigration thing, when they had the interview with me, the last thing they asked me was before they decided whether to let me stay in Iceland or not, they just asked me if Iceland accepts you to uh, let you stay in Iceland, what would you like Iceland to do for you? And I was like, mm-hmm. give me education and a family, the rest I will do for myself. Yeah. And so, and then, that's where I get it. So I get my family to stay with and then to, and I get the chance to go to school and to get education because I always wanted to learn. You know, I, I had the father who always, always encouraged us to, to, for education. And I knew also like education, it will give me, you know, the opportunity to help myself first and also mm-hmm. to uh, girls that I left back home that was always what pushed was pushing me uh, to go keep you know to keep going because even though I saved from myself um, you know all that uh, thing that happened to me still is happening to so many girls so each time I kind of start giving up exams or something I was like no don't Nishmun remember you know what we, what you went through if you went through from Sahara you can go through this exam uh, yeah the girl who is just the same age as you, who is back home and cannot go out that situation, that's the girl that you need to help. So get right. education first, help yourself, grow your mind uh, so you, that you can help them back. So it was just yeah. like something that can push me, you know, to, to keep going. Yeah, your motivation. And with the, with the language, did you learn Icelandic fluently? After, because I mean, like you're coming in from learning Somali, <laughs> to, I mean, knowing Somali only to, you know, in yeah. Icelandic society with an Icelandic family. So, how was that? It was like, it was a lot of challenge even living with Icelandic family because the, the different cultures now I have to learn everything again, you know. So, it was a challenge for us as well, but we, we kind of went over with it. But I learned English first. I don't know why. Mm. Because the school that I started last in the last year, it was just like they, they first started teaching me English because they didn't have Icelandic glasses uh, for foreigners. So uh, okay. Go just learn English with Icelandic, uh, you know, students. But in, um, but in Iceland, Iceland language, we will uh, start you later or something. So six months, first six months, I think I was just learning English. Wow. Yeah. That is fascinating. And then how was it learning when you started to learn Icelandic? It's really hard. It's very hard. Yeah. 
you know, for me now, sometimes when I think back, I was like, oh, I don't know how I get through that book. Like, through my high school, you know, when I was, <laughs> I was like, because like seeing the language, I just never thought like um, I will graduate even from high school, you know. So <laughs> yeah. now when I think back, all the books, like psychology books and all the, you know, like Icelandic books that I had to read through all the courses I take, I'm like, how did I go through that? <laughs> all the exams so I learned actually it's hard but when everything everything is hard in life even if you now want to go back go to Somalia and learn our language is hard if I want to learn your language is hard but just you know if you just focus and put more time on it and Mm -hmm. um, you know like really if you are dedicated to it you can actually learn yeah absolutely that is true it takes a lot of consistency (laughs) <laughs> and a lot of like uh for me it's been some tears of like just feeling so annoyed at myself and making so many mistakes and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like it's really hard language as well because I was learning French my high school I found French grammar more easier compared to Icelandic grammar you know it's mm-hmm. really 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 hard language but you just uh, you just go through with it yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like for me, I I was so hurried to to graduate even quick, you know, quickly. I started like fully high school. I started 2017, but from 2014 to 16, I was just learning the language. And one year, yeah. I like from school, so like. It's just like I wanted to graduate quickly. My teacher has always had when am I graduating? I'm taking all these classes, and they were like, slow down. <laughs> this is not your language. You need to learn that. And I was like. Is this the only language that's stopping me? I'm going to get it. <laughs> yes, that's right, girl. <laughs> yeah. You're definitely, the, you have that go-getter spirit. It was like, you know what? That's not gonna, That's not enough to stand in my way. So, <laughs> and you mentioned the culture, like the clashings of the culture, the combinings of the culture. Was there anything in Iceland, like the food? You, know, you mentioned the weather, right? That was different, but like food or even the way that people interact here that is different than in Somalia? Actually, yes. A few things that people do here might be rude back home, you know, like you, know, you have to look people in the eyes. I had to learn how to make eye contact. I just knew <laughs> when your parents are talking to you, if you look them in the eye, I mean, if you make eye contact with them, it's very rude. You have to look down when your parents oh, wow. are here. And here, I remember my foster mom, like, here, if you're not looking people's eyes, it might mean like you're not interested in what they're saying or you might not listening or something. And she's like, I was looking down and she was talking to me. She's like, are you listening to me? And I was like, yes, I'm listening to you. And she said, then look at me in the eye if you're listening to me. And I was like, oh my God. So I went to Google, you know, like, translating to my and I said, how to make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to learn how to make eye contact, you know, with, yeah. the, with people again, you know. Like, I was like, and the first, like, I, wow. that's what I was with at the time in my school, probably think, like, what is wrong with her? Like, so I went to Google and I was like, how to make eye contact. And they're like, you have to stare and look people. So the first was like, I remember one day, you know, this guy in my school, I was just looking at him and staring and he's like, are you okay? <laughs> and I thought, I was, I literally thought I was making eye contact, but I was staring. So I didn't, <laughs> it was, 
Finally, <laughs> I, I think and now I, I get it. I get it right. So I think I contact it. But yeah, it was kind of awkward in the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. What about the food? Because there's some interesting Icelandic foods, for sure. I didn't like the beginning of anything in the food, except the Icelandic kitschuba. The Icelandic mm, kitschuba. Okay. Yeah, that's the one I liked. The lamb uh, soup, yeah. Yeah, that's one the one I liked. But later, I just kind of got used to it, the rest. But first, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> that actually was uh, very difficult for me. It was on time. You know, like, I'm in my room, and they might call me a dinner, and I might come up to, like, <laughs> 30 minutes or something, and they were so annoyed in the family. They were like, you have to be on. And I wasn't only late on the food. I was almost late about anything and everything, you know. <laughs> and this, like, my dad here, he was he had been to Africa, so he kind of understand. Like, he says, oh, Africa, I've been to Africa. They are there. A lot bit they do. Not all of them, but most of them, it's like that. But my stepmom, and they just don't understand my teachers and all that. So we have to be on time. You can't remember how many times I was about to lose a job just because of that. Wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, I <laughs> but timing was difficult for me. Yeah, okay. And did you have foods from Somalia that you missed, that you introduced to your Icelandic family? Yes, I, I like uh, rice. Uh, Somalia rice is like kind of fried and really nice taste. And it's not good the way I cook because I just, when I was back home, I never cooked. <laughs> but it's like I just went to YouTube and tried to watch and so I cooked for them like rice and uh, sambusa which they like actually they like the rice so much and the sambusa is kind of difficult but I, I do make a few times and they liked it so I, the only thing I eat uh, Somali food is rice now even though I live in London right now it's mm-hmm. like all time I just eat rice it's just like rice rice that's your favorite <laughs> It's very easy to get fat. It's very easy to get fat from with it. Okay, yeah. And plus, it's really, like, satisfying, too, mm. you know, to eat rice. Like, I, I like rice with coconut milk in it. It's just, like, yeah. it has, like, this fluffy flavor. So I understand. The only problem is if I make rice, that's, I'll eat, like, the whole thing all at the same, at the same time. It's the whole pot. I'll just be sitting there and be like, this is so good. <laughs> so, yeah, I have to stay away from it sometimes. <laughs> in regards to your social platforms, so you have, you are an activist. I mean, whether or not you, you know, call yourself that sometimes or not, but that is essentially what you're doing. You're raising awareness about FGM, about women and girls' rights, about violence, like all of these topics that a lot of people, um, especially younger people, I think are becoming more aware of, but don't always feel like they have the voice to really talk about it. Whereas like you've lived these things, you, you know, you're coming from a, a different culture where like you mentioned, a lot of it is normalized. And you took the, you know, your experience and decided, I'm not just going to, like you mentioned, you're, you've been motivated knowing that other people have been experiencing this, people even now. And you have a lot of followers on Facebook, like over 90,000 and over 30,000 on YouTube. But you're, and you're talking in Somali. And I'm wondering, what is the reaction of Somalis when they hear, you know, you talking about these things that maybe they're not like comfortable talking about, like for instance, FGM, right? It's just something that happens, but people aren't necessarily going about like having their morning coffee talking about it or something. So what is the reaction from the people who watch your content? It's like, I always avoid to, you know, like just uh, uh, how it's it to, 
to like when people see me like oh Nichmo speaks child marriage or Nichmo speaks FGM I I like to to tackle an issue almost okay <laughs> you know like most of them I folks like almost I I I think everything related to you know like what Somali woman is facing and what the young people especially is facing yeah. and I tackle with all time and now these last few months actually I was so much into women getting in politics and women mm. involved into power because we realized that to in order to pass a lot of laws that will stop what is harming women we need um, our women to be there and to be yeah. in our position it's nice to uh, raise awareness but there are certain things that you can raise awareness but it needs it, it needs power to empower action like for right. example uh, building uh, passing a bill that is like stop but not Somalia cannot be married under 18 years old uh, anyone who rapes women should not be walking free and go to end up in jail all that laws needs to to pass and in order right happen that we need women in power position so that's why like now i'm like more focused actually in the politics side women mm. getting campaigning now so much with and getting involved and connecting with as well smile women who are politicians who are involved in politics and some who are position power position holder right now so if i come back to your question actually i was just uh, saying all things i speak yeah, yeah that's great it's like people is different reaction it's also different reaction uh, from year to year you know the first time i started 2014 it was uh, like there's not so many somali women who was out there at the time uh, there were only one woman who were speaking english but for me i went there and 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 speak some my language and at the same time talk about things that they're not used to a, a women to you know like to to talk about and yeah. it's the like first time you are woman it's it's haram it's per, it per, per, permitted in islam women voice to be heard out in public so you need to stop this that was like the most reaction i was getting it wow. and then from 2016 uh, till 19 i was just getting out like year to year it's like sometimes they must they were like accusing me oh i'm not muslim i'm trying to promote other religions wow uh, i'm trying to take off hijab with uh somali women and then now they have no evidence of me focusing on you know doing that and then now it's like oh you are being sent it um westerns are begging you uh, doing this so restaurants are uh, you know like uh, they want you to you inform a smile woman because you you take away their culture and everything but now in the last uh, i would say this year and last year they were like oh your ideas are great you know now we are uh, you are smarter than thousands of thousands man our council needs people like you so it's like yeah <laughs> <just> okay <laughs> it's been this evolution <laughs> Yeah, I mean, from like you can't talk in public to where you, the country needs people like you. You know, mm-hmm. there's where imagine in the next ten years where they will be. Besides that, you know, now I'm really happy to see like there's a lot of uh, young women are on social media right now discussing about all that all that kind of issues, and like um, 
going like just coming to public sharing their stories i remember when i was starting my videos i used to ask people like can you share your story what happened to you is is really bad and you need to talk you need to speak yeah. about it if you stay silent this will go on and they were like no i can't this will happen to me and now the fact i was like okay just tell me the story and i will tell to people but now the fact that they are coming out and sharing, I was like, yes, this is what I needed for it. And I'm really happy each time I see, you know, some other woman is doing like coming to social media, I always support and say, yes, keep doing it. Because the more we have so much voice, the better we can do. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So and a lot of other young people are actually also now starting doing deep videos. But for me, it's like what I like to do is just like now I see these issues that few years ago you couldn't talk about, but now people are normalized and everyone is talking about it. So what is there any any other things that have been ignored or people are scared to talk about? And I was like, mm. I open that door again, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's when you thought you were comfortable. It's like, nope. <laughs> we're gonna yeah. <laughs> There's like this thing that people are not talking about today, which is... Um, you know, like a uh, Somali woman who wants to not have so much children to there is there is not so many places they can go and get help with and they can't speak public. There is, uh, you know, like Somali young people to use uh, things to protect uh, the disease that they can transmit. Uh, yeah, like a, wearing condoms or yeah, things like that. that. Yeah. No one... It's not talking about that, so I'm like now I'm I'm tackling that. But I didn't I just didn't uh, go out there and then talk about me. I create a character. It's just me, mm. but I'm a man, you know. So I get birth and I I kind of edit my voice and now <laughs> you know you, you have to find a way to yeah. get the message without offending, you know. So now because right. now I know when if I go like this as a niche and talk about now they're gonna say oh now again this is what she bring it, you know. So mm. I create other character who is his name is a man and then I have a bird and everything and I'm running for a president and I say like if you choose me as a president because there is election is coming now right now in the country so I say, if you choose me as a president because I'm, a, I'm running for a president I will give you free condoms and free order <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will, I will build that. I will, you know, make easy access for smiley woman who don't, who doesn't want to have children at all, or wanted mm. to have like so many children. So you just have to create different characters to raise awareness of different things, you know. Yeah. Way that you can approach because some culture and communities is actually forbidden to to talk certain. So now I'm tackling that, and it's just like it gets intense. And when people ask me, you know, like, what well, I need to ask, like, it's not me, it's Professor yeah. Gray. Let me just show you. That's my favorite character, actually. He's like, he's doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is amazing. It's just like, so when they ask me in public and they are like, so now you are about to talk about all that stuff. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not me. It's mm -hmm. him. I will let him know. So this is me and him, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> That'd be... <laughs> And dressing like smile man, you know. Yeah. So I'm, this is me, and I'm like, no, no, this is. <laughs> so I don't answer any of his questions. When people ask me publicly like, about him, I was like, I will let him know that you have that question. <laughs> oh my! If you could um, send it to me, I can put it up 
yeah, so people can see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love how you're using your creativity to be like, no, I can't mm-hmm. you have to stay in character at all times. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it goes to a man. So anything that I know people, I, that I don't want people to ask me in public, yeah. I would just use him, you know? And when someone asks us like, oh, it's not me, but any question you have, just send it to me. I will tell him, he will answer for you. <laughs> I I think I read somewhere also that you had a doll or a diagram or something to talk about FGM. Is that right? Like you were, yeah, yeah, because that was another thing is like men aren't seeing their wives genitalia ever. right? So it's like, they have like kind of this no idea about the female reproductive organs or what it looks like on the outside. Like there's just total lack of knowledge. So can you talk a little bit about like, coming up with this idea (laughs) that comes to us well like always i just look what people do in it and then decide Mm. so i'm like gonna find other way also like people haven't like that that people should be when you see things you can you can connect more compared to when you just hear is a name so i've seen a lot of girls are talking this fgm and I do as well, but I was like, is there any other way that I can approach to this issue? And I was like, okay, men, they have no idea what we went through. They can't even like smile. Most of like, you know, the lights are turned off when things are happening and they have no idea down there what's going on. So right. I was like, I need to visualize. I need something that they can really see because we, we need them to stand up with us because like this FGM is not something that caused by men it's caused by women mm. and it's not like most of fathers they don't agree to happen and they don't mind that I heard like he left in the house that day he didn't want to be around us so it's something that actually even Somali men they don't like women who are now last few years actually yeah, yeah. Like, they are they don't like women who have been breastfed they prefer not but still the mothers are doing it because the mother have been taught like you are more you know worthy and more like mm. so it's a value thing right because you're, yeah wow it's like so i wanted this topic like men to stand up with us and to understand very well so i show pictures i was like this is how it's been done this is how it's been happened and they'll be shocking. They were like, we didn't know. They went through all this. I will never allow my daughter to happen this. And I got, it's like one of the videos that 90% supporters were men and 10% only women maybe were supporting, but the rest they were against. They were like, how wow. dare you show, you show our private part to, to the man? So I, uh, most of the time, I don't reply the comments so much. I, I, I like to promote the positive ones because each yeah. time I reply back to, to the comment, it comes to the top. So I always dance mm-hmm. the positives and just leave the, the negatives down there. At the bottom, yeah. <laughs> Get it lost. <laughs> so, like, they were so angry. They were really angry. But I understand because it's not something that they're used to it. So for right. me, it's like I wanted them something that they can see the pain we are going through. Mm-hmm. And it was art that was made. And it was like from FGM1 to all the way when you gave into birth, how you, mm. how it needs to, you know, the, the struggle and the pain you go through when you're giving a birth. And they were like, wow. And some of fathers, they even texted me and sent me and they were like, we're not gonna allow my daughter to have this. told me actually, they actually divorced with his wife through them. Wow. 
yeah, do what you gotta do to save your kid, right? Like this is, yeah. and it's just so unfortunate that it's a brainwashing in essence, right? Like you're being taught this, that this is because you're, if I'm correct, you're um, whoever, a suitor who wants to marry your daughter has to pay a certain amount. So it's like, if they've had FGM, maybe then that brings higher amount of money. Is that kind of what the idea is around it? Yeah, it's just yeah. like, yeah. The, and it's like the mother is, they don't hate the adulteress, but it's just no. like, we thought to this. They, yeah. they, you know, in order for your daughter to be the perfect girl, she needs to, to, to be practiced this. But for me, I try also emotional way to approach the parents. You know, that yeah. means I ended up like, why mom are you hurting me like uh, hurting me a man that you don't even know he, if he will have me he might divorce you you know yeah. so you destroyed my life and my whole future just for that man that you don't even know today yeah. so why are you hurting me and that kind of like gets emotional approach to the parents yeah absolutely you're doing a great job of finding really unique ways to approach this topic that is obviously a tough, I mean, tough topics. It's not just one. There are multiple things happening here. Yeah. I love that that there's a lot of uh, topics that the Professor Alebrecht, the other version of me, the man's version of me, like there's a lot of topics that he's even approaching, like the political side, you know, it's Mm. like there's a lot of politicians who were part of the crime that have been 30 years in my country and they were like alien, like clan leaders and they destroyed people. And so since I'm, they are now running presidential as well, they never get in court or being just as all the people they killed. So the version of me, like the man version of me, he was like, you know, he's a camp, he's running for, for a person and they, you know, he's running for a president as well. He's like, he's acting in current issues or situations that's happening and then they like that my friend were asking me questions from that and he said oh how uh, uh, all the problem you caused uh, people and how many people you killed have you ever asked them forgiveness like no nah, i don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like i'm trying even to find the version um, the man version of me also to yeah like other issues like the, those who are leaders <laughs> so it's just like you just have to find a way to raise awareness isn't it? yeah absolutely have you ever felt like talking out has somehow put you in danger meaning like are people threatened you because of this because they're you know you're you're change is hard for a lot of people especially when it's so ingrained like some of this so how has that been for you in terms of have you felt threatened or unsafe yeah, I always felt threatened, actually. I always got all kind of messages, but yeah. I just didn't for it. I, it was one that I got uh, this year, actually, beginning of this year, I think. Yeah, it was beginning of this year in London, actually. Oh, been, wow. The train I was getting in, the restaurant I was, the house, like... Oh, no. Right. There was this topic I was campaigning for, and this girl who got raped, uh, it was 2019, I think, February or March that she got raped by three men Mm. Uh, Mm. and then they gang raped her and killed her and she was just uh, 12 years old and I was for her case for so long and it was like I just didn't let it go that uh, case you know so I was constantly reminding people and so two of the men get executed but one was let it go and I wanted that one also not to let it go 
So I wanted for a chestnut for that little girl. Yeah. Really very smart and hard working. All her teachers shared their her how what kind of student she was. Uh, you know, like she was a very lovely girl. Even the yeah. girl doesn't deserve to go through that. And so I was campaigning again, the, the man that was left to get executed as well. And then I get a lot of threatened by that. Mm. Uh, yeah, but, and then they were like, even they just say, you know, even if you are in London, don't think you're still safe. And one night I remember I came out and I was going home and I take bus off and I get a message. Say it's like, you took off that bus right now. No. So, and then don't think you're still safe. So you have you have to leave that out. So I couldn't campaign that girl for her anymore, you know. So I always got um, threatened, actually, always. But you just don't stop for it. Some yeah. some things could be very serious, but others could be to scare you, you know. So you don't know, actually, which one was very serious and the, which one was just want to scare you. So you just have to walk through it and ignore it. They don't exist. Yeah, that's courageous. I mean, that's intense. I just feel like, you know, especially when someone is stalking you, in essence, is what they're doing, which is terrible. So I hope you're able to stay safe, though, because that is, you know, like I mentioned, what you're doing is so important work, but at the same time, people are, feel threatened by change, which is so sad because it's not like you're asking for anything other than basic human rights and decency, right? Like this is, you know, like this is the thing that is so... uh, strange to me when you really come down to what it is that you're talking about which is treat me like an equal human being that is it I'm not asking for special treatment or anything else just stop hurting me stop treating me like as a woman I'm an inferior and basically at the mercy of society to do whatever they want with my body so yeah are you planning to I mean you have your alter ego who is running for politics but (laughs) do you want to be a politician Actually, good question, because uh, now I was in Istanbul, you know, for I was in Turkey almost like a month and I was like around with few politicians and see how things they do and all that. And I was like, whoa, mm, I don't know if I want to get involved. <laughs> but it's like in the future. Yes. But I, I realized that the more you get into politics, the less caring and long you have. Mm the more you are interested in the game. It becomes like a business game, you know? I yep. want to do this, I want to get that. So you kind of forget uh, the whole reason behind it, like that there's uh, millions of people that you really need to help and there's a country that you need to help. So for me, I'm like, you know, when I see some politicians and I'm like, oh my God, like, I don't want to do, I, I want to do nothing with politics. Yeah, yeah, I, I understand. <laughs> like personal gain and it becomes mm-hmm. like personal ambitious that, that you just want to achieve and you forget like why do you want that if you're not yeah. if you don't have a heart to help that like I, I the few politicians that I've seen I was talking more about people and country compared they were actually and they were the one who's running mm-hmm. for you know and they're representing those people right so yeah yeah so i was like more like these three children (laughs) and one of my friend like he says actually which i will never forget he was like you know nishmo stay away with politics because you just can't why you are asking serious questions and bring up up to you here like it's like how much you can make and how much you how how like Mm -hmm. you know how you can get things that you want the way you want to be. He was like, do me a favor, stay away from politics. And I'm like, do your mucho thing. That's what you're doing. 
no, I'm not going to because the country and people need someone who really want to help them, not like, I want this to do and that, that, that. But what do they want? You have to consider what they want as well. Yeah. So in the future, yes, but right now what I'm interested in is to work around with politicians uh, to get more experience, to work with them, to be mm-hmm. friends with them, those who are involved in politics or those who are part of the, the government, to, to get to know them and just learn from them. So I'm not going to run in politics without experience first. And I not anytime soon. I want to get more experience. I want to work around the human rights sectors, like just to 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 increase my experience and help as much as I can before I become. Because I think once you get into politics, you completely become someone else. I think yeah. it's another this, persona, right? Like you're, it's another like kind of act you put on. Because I feel like you part of yourself. You can't be vulnerable like you would like a normal human being and stuff like that. You cannot be vulnerable and like. One of the things that I really need to learn right now is just, uh, you know, I like to, to, to listen when people give me a bit feedback and they were like, eh, you are so honest. And he was like, if you want to get in politics, you have to. <laughs> yeah, that will. <laughs> Which is so sad that we have to admit to that, right? It's just like, yeah, no, nope, that's I, not going to work out. <laughs> actually, yeah, this girl was my friend. She was like, if you come to Somalia like this, Nishimo, and and you just get into politics, you're going to get killed. You, you're so naive and very honest. You have to leave that behind. She said that. And I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, when your story came out in Iceland, because like I mentioned, like I showed earlier, I have this pay-per-view. What was the reaction here about that? In Iceland? Yeah. People were very supportive, actually, and very helpful. And, like, even though, like, I... Those who I met, you know, I I haven't read the comments on the where they being posted, yeah. but those who I met, they were like actually very supportive and um, and really nice so far. Yeah, had people known about your story, like maybe your inner circle, but like the, when you were going to school or anything, was anybody aware that this is what you had endured? Only the family I was living with. Yeah, but, um, yeah. That must have been pretty shocking for some people then who might have like interacted with you but like what this happened to her like that's yeah that's intense yeah I actually didn't tell people that much and like I was just um I think the first time I told I was amnesty I think first interview I did with amnesty it was that yeah first like first few years I was just uh, using google translate to talk to people so there's yeah. not so much <laughs> Yeah, but it was just, uh, but like in Iceland, actually, um, it's completely different, you know, from where I came from. So, yeah, I don't know how they react on social media, but those who I met were really very supportive and yeah. really nice. And I don't know, like, um, there's few other issues that in Iceland, when I look right now, I think people are kind of not aware of it or ignoring it that I was actually thinking to do documentary about it. Mm. Okay. And you mentioned earlier, like your friend said, if you were to come to Somalia and get into politics, you know, that wouldn't be so great, meaning like, because it's not so honest. Do you see yourself going back to Somalia? Is that like, like, yeah. I'm very close now. I was in Turkey. And when you're in Turkey, like, you almost see like these people going back and from because there's a direct flight from Istanbul to Somalia. And like... But I was actually very close to go right now because, well, my friend, she said to me, like, you know, you come to Somalia, 
you stay three, two weeks and your securities are provided. You stay the hotel or the, the government area and you just go to events that the securities are very tight and you stay that, you know? Wow. He says, if you want to say, I want to say hi to my family, I want to say hi to my aunt, it's like, you are going to get killed. So she was like, you just only stay the places that we know. And wow. Not. And I was like, then what's the point? Not, not yeah. going if I cannot go to places, I won't, but I grew up, all that. Yeah. And she said, no, 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 no. But if you want to stay two to three weeks, I can provide that. Where you stay, your security and everything, uh, I can help you with that. And I was like, uh, and then I was just thinking about it and considering. And then these six boys who get killed last Friday, not this mm. Friday, Friday before, they were like very educated boys, came from different just diaspora they went back home and one guy he was just uh, working in Somali embassy in Ethiopia and he landed Mogadishu the capital of Somalia just that day yeah and night they were celebrating coming together eating ice cream and they were being bumped so six seven guys who were educated playing very important role for our country just died one night it was just a, two one week ago so and then that was like wow wow and, Another few people advised me. They were like, "It's election time. It's very bad. Don't don't come right now." But I really want to go. It's not safe, but I want to go because because like I want to. If it's like really nice to to see what is going on there because I've been left like since 2011. I never went back, yeah. and now the work I do is actually related to you know. It's very important to be informed with the women you know, struggles and everything that Somali woman is going through and to see what has changed, what haven't changed. But I was like, I don't know really. Each time it's scary, but I do want to yeah. go. I actually okay. want to work in Africa and uh, back home. And there is like where I wanted to work and help people. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you, when you do decide to go back, I wish you all the safety in the world. <laughs> and that like, it is a stress-free yeah. experience because that sounds intense. I'm not going to, you know, sugarcoat. <laughs> like, I, I already feel a little anxious for you when you're talking about, like, oh, you know, you come, but you have to stay here where I can keep you secure. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah. what? Wow. Yeah. Okay. But for me, I just thought, like, if I'm wearing a mask, maybe no one will. Yeah. My sister, I was with her now in Istanbul. She was like, she said, okay, if you don't think people will recognize you through mask, he was like, try it wearing a mask in Istanbul and see if anyone stops you. And people still recognize me through mask, and you know, like you might have to change your hair too, because that's another giveaway. <laughs> so. I, was like, I was wearing hijab. Oh, ah, okay. So people still wearing recognize a mask. Wow. What? And and wearing that hijab with me, still they just cannot recognize. Me. Wow. Okay. So yeah, girl, that's intense. Okay. Be, please be safe. <laughs> we need we need you to be around then. <laughs> I even tried to get like my sister was like she did not want me to go back. She was like, yeah. you know what? I don't want sadness. Yeah, I don't want like yeah. my dad died almost like uh, ten more than ten years ago, and we still did not get over with it. So if you want to die, I don't know you. Just just leave it. Like <laughs> and she was like, okay, try to change your voice, and we're gonna go a restaurant that a lot of Somalians. I was like, okay, we we wear mask and everything, and I changed my voice. Went, still people can't. Just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, um so she was like when um and i was doing a few things and i was like oh do you want to go with the video with us and she was like no no i have a freedom she says i have a freedom i go to somalia wherever i want so i don't want to end like, 
I'm not going to be bad. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. If I wish, you know, 2014, before I start the video, I wish I was smart enough to to close my face. I wish. But I didn't. So now I could just go to Somalia or go to really dangerous areas. And, and you know, I, for me, like, now I have so much interest in stories. I think stories is, like, very powerful. And we can learn uh, a lot from it. At the same time, we can uh, encourage others to speak out, you know. And at the same time, we can raise awareness things that's really happening. So just stories can do a lot of things. So what I want to do is just go back home and collect a lot of stories. You know, there's so many stories that people are staying silent with it because scared or because they don't have the platform. So I wish I can just go small towns. Like we, we know what's happening in the big cities, yeah? But we don't know what's happening in the small towns that there is that don't don't have internet and don't have TV and there is no like a radio. What is happening there? I want I'm really more interested in our stories. Like in the last few months I was more focused on stories, stories, you know. So yeah. one of the reasons I want to also go back is like do documentaries and stories. That's what I'm getting more interested in. Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck with that, for sure. I hope there is opportunity for you to do it safely. And uh, regarding your family, though, because you mentioned, you know, you wouldn't be able to go back and see your family. Has your family reacted or sent you, you know, how they felt about what you've been sharing or even said, like, you know, has your mother ever responded to when you had that campaign about why are you hurting me, mom? You know, like, just what has been the um, response from them? Actually, like, for, for my mom, she was never supportive for things I do. She just thinks wow. I'm way out of the line. Wow, okay. Now, last few, I would say, like, this year, me and her are getting along with. And now I realize, like, she is now also kind of getting, um, you know, like, uh, getting kind of, like, realizing things I'm talking about is actually very important, you know? Yeah. Uh, but there's few things that she sometimes says you cannot speak about it. Like there was this mm. girl who had been raped in Mogadishu, and she, she, like she, they raped and then they throw it out of the window, and it was like hotel. So it's like, <laughs> and then she died there. So the hotel was um, close to the area that my mom lives. So. She knew that I would be talking about it. I even made video about it. And then she called me and says, you cannot talk about it because it's our area and people know each other. So once they see that you are into them, I'm afraid for my daughters and for my life. So you cannot talk about it. So the video I recorded, put it in my YouTube, so I have to unlist it. And now like to only to hide it and make it private. Wow. So that... Only two people or three people watched, and it's just immediately she gave me a call. And then I have to, you know, enlist and then made it a private. So I couldn't talk about it. And everyone was sending me, this happened, why are you not talking about yeah. it? I, I couldn't say, I couldn't talk about it because my mom is some, like, she was like, it's our um, town and everyone knows each other. So she was like, you cannot. I'm afraid for my life. So she's now like kind of, she, the only thing now she against is my hair. That's not covered. Mm, okay. Country and you have to cover your hair. But she says anything else you're talking about it is fine, but do not talk about the security side because it's like terrorist group it, that you know who's doing something to someone. It's just like you cannot talk about um, the security side, and you you have to cover your hair. That's the two things that me and her we don't get along with. But yeah. now 
like, and I realized actually what I was doing. I was also waving a bath for my sisters as well. Now a few things that I couldn't do when I was with my mom. Now my sisters can't do and my mom is getting there. She's letting them do it. Good. You know? Yeah. So, now when I see like my sister says, oh, we're doing this and that and mom is okay with us. Like, yes, that's what I was. I was wishing when I was your age, guys. But now I'm glad that you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yeah, I missed out. But happy that it's evolved. <laughs> that is, yeah. That is, yeah. I'm glad that it's, it's little by little your mom is coming along. Because that's really hard to, to, especially when you feel like, or she feels like, you know, your actions are endangering her. But at the same time, a lot of that probably comes from the anxiety of knowing that you're this public figure. You know, like there's a whole lot probably mixed in there. And like you were saying, she wasn't always very supportive either. So, yeah. yeah. And like, she always scared for it. Now, when I said I'm coming to Mogadishu, she was like, please don't come around. Don't come around my house. She was like, we can meet you and see where you are, but you're not going to come around my area because we're not safe. If you want to come to this door, we're not safe. So she was like, Come to Mogadishu if you want, but we will come and see you where you are, but you're not mm. going to come here because we, you are going back, but we le- we have to live here. So she was yeah, like, yeah. don't come around my house yeah. for her own security, you know, for her yeah. own life. So. That is the reality of some places. And I think like in Iceland, it's so, or the, you know, in the United States, it's for many people, it's so easy to forget that there are a lot of people who live in danger of their lives every day, you know, like, this is, and whether it's for just for speaking, I mean, we talk about Black Lives Matter in the United States, right? You have people who there are being targeted, but not, it's not the same extent, meaning like uh, what you're talking about in Somalia, this is you on the internet, you know, like, and all of a sudden, you're, you know, your parents are, your mother's in danger. And it's just like, this is intense. Like, yeah, it's very yeah. intense, really. Yeah. And it actually makes completely sense, you know, like, it's not, she's not saying that don't come around my house because I don't want to. She's just yeah. saying, I'm afraid for my life. So yeah. don't around me because of their own safety. Yeah. So, Precaution. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, on, a, on a lighter note, <laughs> in regards to school. So you're in school in the UK, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And what are you studying in school? Uh, I'm do I'm doing I'm going there university. Uh, it's uh, I'm studying international business management. It's like my second year. Okay, so got a little ways to go, but you're getting through it. And and you have um, on your social platforms the mid show. Yeah. And so for people who are interested, just to understand, you know, what the mid show is, and you know how they can potentially support it. Could you just explain a bit about it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mid show is like a platform that advocates you know for women and uh, girls rights but also gives a platform to raise awareness in issues that young people face you know there's a lot of uh, young boys who are victim as well you know if you just look at it uh, women are more victim but also young boys are victim actually and we kind of like need to raise awareness both sides you know yeah I sometimes avoid to create a war between men and women because mm. we share this country and we are same society and we don't want to go to war between men and women. We want to equal rights for everyone, but at the same time not creating hate between them. So, right. um, but they sometimes accuse me. I am more into women's rights, but I also make sure that you know, they are also cared and loved and like, and it's online. It's um, 
my page and my YouTube most of the time. And we do have Instagram. Anyone who wants to support, they can go to the page site and it have, uh, a, you know, like where they can click it and, and support wherever they want yeah. to support. They can donate a certain amount uh, or something like that. Yeah. yeah donation it's also like we need support with the you know it's not all it's not only donation actually what we need support we need support with the commentaries you know right now there's mm-hmm. few documentaries that i want to do and uh, i'm looking someone who can sponsor like who can help me with the documentary so it could be like cameras or anyone who yeah stories uh, all that stuff so they can contact me as well in, if they have anything specific that they want to help with and we can discuss with it. So, yeah, in the last few months, even though Corona came this year, I was more focusing to make studio for, mm, for me. Nice. And then Corona came between us. Yeah. So that I will just have to post it and do it in the future. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll have all your information about that in description box and then for people who are listening on uh, the audio and podcast on in the show notes so that people can get in contact with you if they want to donate monetarily or you know figure out how they can collaborate with you I will definitely you know have all that information available but my last question for you is uh, one that I ask everybody (laughs) and that is what is your favorite Icelandic word or phrase the favorite word Icelandic or phrase yeah Oh, okay. It's like, yo. Yeah, you would say, say yes. <laughs> it's like, yo, yo. <laughs> I even use when I'm not with Icelanders, actually. It's like very nice. It's like you can boss, yo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but nice and simple, and but also like effective. Because you can... <laughs> Yeah, it's actually a fast word for me if you ask me. It's like, yo, yeah. You know? Yeah, you do the inhale thing. <laughs> yeah, that's like the word I actually like the most. But yeah, anyway, you know, uh, thank you for having me as well. And you're doing a great job as well. I already oh, told you that. You. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's really amazing and nice. And thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. And like I mentioned, it is an honor to have you really just your story and also how you've taken the things that you've gone to and put them into a positive space for helping others, I think is just amazing and awe-inspiring. And I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, you are able to stay safe because like I mentioned, you're so important for this movement, not just in Somalia, but I think in many places in the world and showing the power of your platform and your voice we all have the potential to influence people and you're using your influence in such a powerful way. And so I just appreciate that as a person admiring from afar. So, so thank you. Thank you, actually. You know, the, now the, the freedom I have in Iceland and the equality I do have in Iceland, there is Icelandic women who fought for it 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. She might not it today, but she made it, she made it make sure, you know, like to, to, to wave them to, you know, kind of wave the path for Icelandic women to have the equality and the freedom they have today. So when it comes to that time to Somalia, I might not be alive, but at least there is a Somali woman who will enjoy that. And that's the thing, you know, can push you forwards like this. I might not get that in my country right now, but in the future, there are Somali girls who are going to get that. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Bye-bye.